Welcome to your Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Uh. Meh. Textual healing. There's a low-cost British carrier called EasyJet. They've decided uh, as of uh, last, the end of last year, they're now going to avoid saying ladies and gentlemen when they address passengers. Uh, their spokesperson said, we want our crew to be welcoming to everyone on board, so we have provided some guidance to them on how to best do that in a way that is inclusive for everyone. What do you guys think? I think it's great. I mean, I it it's, can't hurt, right? It it does nothing. Nothing has changed by saying, "Ladies and gentlemen, welcome." To just saying, "Welcome," like or folks, or why do you even have to address people? It's like a it's faggots. It's, it's needless. <laughs> it's needless words. You know what I mean? It's sort of like what's that saying about omit words? That's like the mark of a good writer. Like omit words. Like you don't need the words. Just say welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the um. Behind the, the the change in policy was Dr. Andy Fugard, a senior lecturer at Birkbeck University of London. He complained, or I'm not sure what gender Andy is, but Andy complained to EasyJet in August by tweeting, are you in some kind of competition to see how many times you can reinforce gender bin- binaries? See, th- this and is, that to me. This is what, it, that that's what kind of what annoyed me. So I, 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 I agree with Alan. It's such an easy fix and no one has any, uh, you know, no one has any, uh, has a dog in the fight when it comes to using the of phrase course. ladies and gentlemen. But I, I thought Andy's, it's just like, it's just, it's so crazy just this, the aggressive snarkiness yeah. of everyone. Everyone now, I mean, you know, we're all like it. I'm not, you know, singling out Andy, but just to all of a sudden, because an airline says, ladies and gentlemen, you go to Twitter to say, what are, what are you? You in some <laughs> kind of competition to reinforce gender binary. Why, why, why this airline? I, I hear ladies and gentlemen all the time, and I don't, I don't assume that this person is... Um, a you know, a monster or a jerk. It's just like what? What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because well, Dr. Fugard is trans and non-binary, and said late and in the That's tweet right. continued by saying, "Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, perfume strictly segregated again by ladies and gentlemen. Ditch sir and madam too. An organization as huge as EasyJet should uh, must, must do better. You must." Do better. I, I I I just think it's so. I mean, it clearly worked in this instance. I think. It's such an easy fix that why yeah why not but I don't know I it's, I'm just ne- I mean, I'm never a big fan of that kind of like it's messaging. like what uh, Alexander Billings said I forget where she said it but somewhere she's a really famous trans actress and activist and singer and she's great she's amazing she will be doing this podcast at some point we yes. insist upon it I love her um, but got quite an ego she said she said something uh, recently that you know. We change things every day. We change the way we use language. People get married. They change their names. People want, you know, you learn, you know that Lady Gaga isn't called Lady Gaga, that her name's Stephanie, but you still call her Lady Gaga because she wants to be called Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. You take. We change patterns and way we do things every single day, and it's not difficult. But when it challenges sort of what we think is the quote unquote right way of living, then all of a sudden that's a hard thing to change. And it's like, 
that's not hard. You're just making it more difficult for yourself because you're clinging on to something. And it's it, it's an easy change just mm. to be more inclusive. There's nothing wrong with it, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's just <clears throat> I guess I'm I try to put myself in Dr. Fugard's shoes and think you know to step on an airplane and hear yourself not represented in the greeting i imagine that is a you know a distinct feeling to, but on the other to hear someone not say ladies and gentlemen or to hear somebody say like ladies no. and gentlemen and non-binary passengers or whatever no he's saying yeah. he's saying the people who are non-binary who get on the plane and they hear ladies and gentlemen they feel excluded well there's a but there's a spectrum of even gender outside of non-binary that people who don't necessarily subscribe to male or female gender stereotypes also don't want to be called non-binary right and i'm just trying to admit what i'm going to say they feel like yeah. in that scenario and i imagine yeah that does sting i just it's just the language the t the language in the tweet is so antagonistic mm -hmm. that i'm like i i'm glad it was done and, and the change was made but sometimes i'm like are, is EasyJet evil or or nobody's evil? I yeah. mean, I, I really, I, I, I desperately want to get away from the sense of villainizing <clears throat> literally every single person for for yeah. everything. When it's like we're 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 a part of the culture we live in, and we learn and we grow and we change. The way we talk about trans people now is vastly different than how how yeah. we, the way we talk about gender now is vastly different than how we talked about gender five years ago, ten years ago. Even though it was wrong, you had people saying tranny in the drag community. You yeah. had people saying tranny, and now we know that that is wrong, and we don't do that because it's offensive to people. And we grow and we learn, and I think that if someone is willing to grow and learn we should embrace those people and support them in their process of learning. Yeah. I do wonder what when when Dr. Fugard said ditch sir and madam too. I don't know what you what do you replace that with? Well, hello sir, hello madam, hello, hello you replace it friend. Friend? Well, hello, I mean lover. Why do you even But that's what I don't understand. Why do you even need a gendered anything there? Just say hello. Yeah, that's true. Like, I don't need to say hello, sir, just because you look like a dude. Mm -hmm. Like, I, it, the sir is a relevant word, right? Just, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a word of respect, but, but uh, I mean, but it, it, it really isn't because then also just like twenty, no, thirty is. years ago, with well, but it's it's a forced word of respect because you're then gendering someone based upon their appearance from what you see, yeah, and, and, you, and, and most people are not offended by that, and most people are not true, but. It is something that culturally we just have done because it's what we've done. But now we're recognizing that gender is a spectrum and that possibly it is maybe disrespectful to do so, that. So, but like yeah. it's women who are married and they, they prefer to go by miss instead of missus. Yeah. People over the years, except for my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Stevens, who was a real bitch about it, say, say very clearly, no, I don't want to have that you know, old school way of women now have to say misses. They just want to be identified as miss. And mm. they're politely, you're politely corrected. Mm -hmm. And then it's, and it's not hard to change. Call this woman miss. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's I, the same I, thing with gender. It, it, it kind of, yeah. It kind of reminds me of like sometimes when you use the phrase, guy, hey guys. And yeah, it, it's like, I mean, that's the guys is a male term, but it's definition within sort of, nomenclature mm -hmm. has grown to represent a group of people uh but and this has never happened to me but i've heard of i know uh one person who once said hey guys t 
to some people and, and, and a woman was like, how dare you? And I just, I just think yeah. that's, that's an example of like, to me, that's, it's like, I, I hear, I hear the point. I'm, I'm a, I'm in a position of privilege because I'm a man. And when people use the phrase, Hey guys, it represents my gender identity. But I, yeah, I do. But I, yeah. I think it's, I, I don't know. I, I wince like, though at the thought of somebody saying hi, Hey guys to everybody to me, I wouldn't think that's offensive right but i do think it's offensive when people talk about a group of people that are mixed genders and said these like these guys all these guys that worked on it and i you know if they're talking about a project or something and right. i can see how that would be annoying sure. or, or, yeah. or undermining the women or the non but i also think it's how like right. this this person who approached your friend <clears throat> did it seemingly pretty aggressively right and i think again getting away from this whole like evil response of if right. you if you do one yeah. thing and you respond in a really aggressive way it's like i get it i i get that it's important to marginalize communities to be spoken of in the way that they wish to be spoken of and i think that's really important yeah but i also think it's important to be able to communicate with each other about these differences and yeah it's... well the sun also said that um in focusing on their online backlash easyjet's pilots and cabin crew are now urged not to just say not to not just avoid saying ladies and gentlemen but they just say welcome everyone which yeah. seems perfectly yeah perfectly reasonable thoughtful yeah. and appropriate and reasonable and but the yeah. whole guys conversation, I think, is really interesting because in, in literary terms, I mean, there and it's, and also in religious communities, too, there's a really big conversation going on about how we communicate passages within sort of scripture and mm. how God and then referencing God is in he terms within biblical verses. It's there's there is a large debate about how we communicate and how so much of what we communicate is gendered male and it's a part of our culture, just like the hey guys thing or calling God he. You know, it's there's the, it's a part of the culture and we're trying to change it, but it's not going to change overnight. And so I don't think there's a need to be um, yelling at people about just it. Just so you know, before I got rid of my car, I had a bumper sticker that said God is back and she is pissed. <laughs> so Alan, <laughs> you can shut up. Not even joking. Cecily Strong from Saturday Night Live is mm. here. Hi, Ooh. Cecily. Hi. You said that so sexy. <laughs> Thank um, you. We, was very sultry. We were just talking about how we saw each other the other night at yes. the Bende La Creme Jinx Monsoon stage show. So um, much fun. Um, but yeah, we were saying you love awesome. a comedy queen. I do. I do. You're a big drag fan. Yes. Have you been? A, how long have you been into drag culture, I guess? Um, gosh, it's tough to say. I've, I've... I guess my first experience, so I always talk about I grew up in Chicago, or, or outside of Chicago, I should say. Oak Brook. Oak Park, <laughs> Park. please. Sorry, sorry. No, no, the rich sorry. mall is in Oak Brook. <laughs> <laughs> Franklin Wright was Oak Park. Um, but uh, there was, I would do, I did my first professional show, Professional theater um, <laughs> production. We really took we really took aim at the Catholic Church. Uh, was, <laughs> I was eleven. Um, it was a gorgeous show. Won the Jeff Award in Chicago. Oh, anyway, prestigious. wait, it was like a local theater, like a regional it was theater. Non-equity. Non-equity. Okay. Well, there were two. We had, you know, those theaters that like you have to give two equity contracts. But it was a gorgeous, wonderful theater. It was my first. My first gig, 
Um, I loved everyone there. I wound up spending oh a lot God. of time there, but there was a show at the same time that I was doing this show, Pope Joan, and it was called Bitches. Mm. And it was sort of about uh, that that Texas um, cheerleading mom. You know, the oh, serial... yeah, the Holly Hunter movie. Yes. Yes. Or, was it Wait, or the, was it Kathleen the, Turner, Serial Mom? Right. Oh, Serial Mom. Oh, I, oh, I don't know. Well, there was Holly Hunter did the Texas couple. cheerleading murdering mom. It was like a true story of like a right. cheerleader mom who murdered her comp- says daughter's competition. So, bitches was a it was an all male cast, um, and they were it was all high school cheerleaders, mm-hmm. and it was sort of that story. Wait, and it I was... saw it like four times and was blown away. <laughs> and they were drag queens. They were. Yeah, I don't even know. Like at the, I was eleven, so I can't remember. And it was nine. The year was nineteen um, seventy-two, so I can't. <laughs> Carter wasn't president, but he was thinking about. Oh my him. god! I, I was pushing him. Uh, um, so I can't even remember if it was like full queens or just. Yeah. Um, they put on some mascara. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe not even wet. But it was, I just loved it so much, and was yeah. like, I, this, is, I enjoy this. Because you have, a, you do have a, a like a. I mean, I don't put words in your mouth, but you have like a, there's a queer sensibility that comes with a lot of your comedy. Yeah. Especially on SNL. Yeah. The, I uh, think so. I mean, well, you even <laughs> got to do the Erica Jane character. Right. Which, which was is incredible. Oh, thank you. I mean, Erica <laughs> Jane. I can go now. Erica That's what I came here for. Erica Jane you, like, is such like a hero. Why don't you, <laughs> you know? explain it? Why don't you explain it? I mean, if you don't know who Erica Jane is, you don't belong listening to this podcast, but <laughs> she is on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She's the, you know, uh, the, the zero fucks, none, one. I don't know how to describe I Erica watch, Jane. I, I just know she that taught she... us how to put on latex yeah. bodysuits. You need <sighs> yes. powder. Wait, so her deal is she is a Cauca- she's a Caucasian woman married to a very old rich man. Aaron Brockovich lawyer Me. guy. Mean, mean. Yeah. I think so. He's supposed mm. to be mean. Yeah, he and, was mean on the show. And so she, <laughs> I only looked this up after your character because I was like, this, "Is this based on something?" Uh, love so it. So she, so is, her deal is that she basically b- bought her way into being a quote unquote pop star, but she no. doesn't chart. No. Okay. I, I think she's yeah. I think she did not buy her. I think a lot of them did. And I, I will say she didn't. She worked hard, and I interviewed her once. <laughs> For what? I don't even know. I just said yes. Oh my God. Let me. Of course, I'll oh interview a friend. It was one of those things. That PR, our PR lady was like, "This is a pass, right?" And I was like, "Are you insane? No, it is not a pass." <laughs> to go. Yeah, that's a hard yes. Um, and I, and she, I think she, she works really hard. Yeah. And she can't like she, she. Worked really hard at. She's. I think she's really good. And does her yeah. music, like, is it popular? I. I sound like I don't watch that Housewives. It's queer popular. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. There's a. And Housewives, I think, is really. And I mean, sort of what you do even on SNL is really indicative of sort of the moment right now where there is this cross between. You know, women and gay culture kind of run the internet, run memes, run sort of how we freak out about things, and. I think what sort of you do on SNL is it really speaks to the women who love pop culture and love geeking out on the internet and love Pinterest even. Bravo and like Con. Obs- Bravo. Yeah, Bravo Con and all of that. And then the gay people, queer people in general, who are just like, find the inspiration, as we always have in women like Erica Jane, who right. are fabulous for reasons we don't know, but we're there for the show. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's everything. And I enjoy it when it's someone who's not, 
and awful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's enough villains. But also yeah. that yeah. that character. What's the character's name? Because I'm blanking. On the that I the, yeah. Candace. 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 <laughs> yeah. So it's like the sketch is already like, it's already wild and so queer to begin with because of that, but then you have. <laughs> like you have Larry David d- re- speaking lines it that are so, so much more <laughs> gay, but he's not gay. It's 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 a mind. The fun. joy that he felt. It's so funny saying those lines was gay. Like that was so infectious. Baby, we need to get going. I need to get to my gig. Oh, look at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, gotta go. we gotta go now if we wanna. We want to be at Power Bottoms for her. <laughs> you know, 3.30 a.m. performance. <laughs> okay, but uh, we do have a meeting at 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah, we got that 6 a.m. meeting. <laughs> and did you, who, did you write that alone or wrote that Oh, with... God, no. I, I wrote it with um, James and Julio, of yeah. course. James I mean, Anderson, I, Julio I Torres. never write alone. I never <laughs> What's the song? I'll never walk alone. No, but I right, but I was doing a hilarious parody. I usually write with James Anderson yeah. and uh, Kent Sublette, and I'll write a lot. Um, every now and then, when Julio was there, I would mm-hmm. try to snag him when I could, and Bowen, yeah. and that was, I think, um, James and. Uh, Julio and I. Mm. It's so. It's just. It does feel like it's like it. It's a. You have a <clears throat> pipeline to this. Yeah, that's right. This like queer and s- straight woman cross section. Yeah. That's referential. That's a little bit f- uh, uh, periphery. But you have to like you get in on it. And the moment you get on it, it's. Cr- I mean, even the one that we that we were talking about the other day. Um, Diana Gellerman. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is. I think she was just Diane. Diane, excuse me. (laughs) I've been watching too much uh, the good whatever uh, the Good Wife, the good the good fight with Mm. the Diane Lockhart. Um, But I'm (laughs) so into it. Christine Baranski. Christine Baranski. I love Christine Baranski. She's an inspiration forever. Mm -hmm. So so this character Diane. Sybil. Oh my God, Sybil. (laughs) Nice work. Let's you get it. Won't you tell me how? Oh my God! Boy. She won an I, Emmy for that. The first season, Sybil Shepherd was pissed for that theme song forever. Yep. Oh <laughs> my mm-hmm. God! That was such a great show. <laughs> and Sybil Shepherd wore her Emmy's dress the first year of the show that she was nominated, and the second year of the show, same dress. What do you mean? Same dress. Same dress. Oh, she was like, her. no, no one's gonna dress me. I'm wearing the same dress. Why wouldn't anybody wow. dress her? Who wouldn't dress Sybil? Well, she's Shepherd. probably difficult, guys. Oh, I mean, she's I beautiful. hope she is. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> anyway, my point being that the character Diane Gellerman is like basically Barb, like Barbara Streisand. I, I, I would say a little. Yes, I mean she started there, and then we just wrote. Cabaret. It's amazing. Banter. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. In yeah. five minutes. And I was like, ooh, should I be worried how fast this came? Well, even these even, lines. Like like that. <laughs> it feels just effortless and it feels like an extension of you as a as a person. Like it's just so your your taste, your comedic taste. Yes. And how like I, I again I don't want to put the words in your mouth, but it feels so queer inspired. And I'm wondering, it's has it always been that way? Have you always gravitated toward that sort of Pseudo camp gay I humor. Think, um, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think there's just like, it hasn't been that it's like, oh, it's that it's gay. I think that it's just 
I think there is something about um, theater and making fun of yourself. And I think like growing up and and feeling a little bit like an alien Mm -hmm. and not quite fitting in that Mm -hmm. I think has always been why I've like had the friends that I've had and just sort of been a, and, and, and I think that's where it's just kind of been a natural fit. And yeah. it's been more that it's like, these are my people, anybody in that. It's so it's not just like whenever anyone's like, so you love all, you'll love him. He's gay. And I'm like, no, don't say that. I don't yeah. love yeah. all gays. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course not. <laughs> right. That's crazy. <laughs> Me I, I, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Wait. So uh, when you talk about sort of being younger and like feeling like an alien or like not fitting in, what do you mean? I mean, so I think like the easy. So my first best friend um, in preschool was from uh, was this girl Anna from South Korea, and she didn't speak English, and she. So you did all the talking. Yeah, but it was like someone that I was like, ah, oh, finally, like we get each other. We have to use gestures. Ah, oh, you brought me gum again. How kind of you. Yeah. Why would you bring me a gift? What have I done that's made you like me? That's, <laughs> it's touched my heart. Uh, and then I had like there was a girl Johanna from. I had a lot of like foreign friends. Oh my god, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Growing up, my. I, I, I had a friend who's like lost to me forever, but in high school, her name was Megu. She lived with me for two years. She was uh, from Tokyo. She was half Japanese, half Bangladeshi, hardly spoke English. We communicated mainly through her translator. Oh, <laughs> that she lived I, in your I, home? She lived in my home. Oh my God. And I invited her. I, I was like, could just come live with me. I, I loved her, but it was just like, I just didn't feel, I just didn't yeah. ever feel like, I was always like, I felt like an old queen smoking <laughs> right. cigarettes, holding yeah. a mean chihuahua. Yeah, <laughs> I think that I think that vibe yeah. resonates in a way because, like, I have to admit, like, before sort of you know looking more into your work, but also just like meeting you, and even just the other night when you were going to Ben and Jink's show, like, there's a thing that a lot of I think straight women often do where it's like tokenizing the queer experience, and especially in entertainment sort of taking a queer narrative and using it for, like, the sake of becoming more funny or, like, more popular yeah. or whatever. And you really just genuinely get it. You, you kind of live you it. You live it. Yeah. And, like, even just seeing you at Ben and Jink's show, I was like, oh, it's the real deal. She gets it. Like, she's coming to a show that there's no, like, red carpet or anything. It's just, like, this is just a fun show to go to, well, a drag show. And I think, like, I would never say I get something that I haven't lived through. It's more mm-hmm. that I would rather say I support things that I love and and I guess also I will say about drag after feeling so beaten down in 2016 uh I think it was like especially being like I don't feel like I have a community as a white woman because so many I was like there's no sisterhood there's mm-hmm. no I don't I don't feel that as a thing because they voted for Trump <clears throat> yeah. yeah um and it was just like that's not for me mm-hmm. I don't think that that exists I think all people can be bad <laughs> given yeah. given yeah. enough privilege we all would have that and so it was sort of like I just want to um be a person that lifts up my the team my people that i care about and and drag is such like a, a world of celebrating beauty and fun and and things that sparkle and things that and strength and it, it was just like all the values mm-hmm. that i really admire and was just like i just want to go live there for a while yeah mm. um and i think that's when it really became and and to be embraced 
by a community that didn't have to embrace me as mm-hmm. as a woman, as a white straight woman. Yeah. There's Liter- a clip of literally drunk- after 2016, after the election, I started watching way more YouTube murder documentaries. Like for some reason, <laughs> that's that drag, was like drag race for Isn't Brent. it so? Oh, that's my. I mean, I own, I'm true crime Are queen. You? That's my other. Oh, we have to talk about some things then. I, that's I'm. What's I, your show? What's your show? Anything, but are you like, oh my god, there's a forensic file, like you know, top 20 episode. No, don't care about forensic file, it's more like the ID channel. I mean, um, my neighbor, the neighbor killer one, yeah, yeah. ID channel sent me a swag bag. (laughs) What was in it? Um, sorry to brag, uh, there was um, a thing called the ex boyfriend, I think that's a knife holder with knives. (laughs) I got it, I got a blank. It's incredible that this network. That some people don't them. even know about. <clears throat> it's a network uh, exclusively with murder documentaries, and they have started uh, marketing shit that you can buy, that you watch with your, f- that you consume. They have mm-hmm. a wine club. I'm here for it. <clears throat> and it's yeah. literally like, like you know, the network, the interstitials will be like a dead woman in a parking lot. <laughs> oh They're like, you're watching ID. You're like, is this really, oh is this God. real? Yeah. And then, it, but, and all the ads but are everyone for catheters. And, <laughs> right, right. And I always am like, and I'll tell my friends, I'll go, okay, this one is actually, so this one is very scary. Your worst nightmare is very scary. Yeah. Forbidden love is a lot yeah. of um, honor killing. So that one's very sad. Um, there was a recent one that I went, this one's good. It makes you think. It's a lot of um Deadly epic. Women is a classic. Oh, of that's course. A good one. And that's got that. Candace, that bitch, Candace I love DeLong. her. Hold on, she hold on. hates yeah, yeah, women, yeah. and I love her. Oh, we, I have news for you. <laughs> Brent Sullivan, who's sitting next to you, <laughs> For his birthday, his friend, and, and Alan and I got to witness this, yes. his friend, uh, Megan, his friend, one of his friend best of friends, podcast, Megan, yeah. created an, friends, entire, friends. an entire escape room in her home. I mean, it was outrageously well done. And she got a cameo of, <gasps> Can, what's Candace, her name? Candace, Candace DeLong. DeLong. For him. For yeah. For him, for me, for Is his she, birthday, she we didn't. Ha- she was a killer and cold blooded. <laughs> Wait, Candace you say DeLong, this woman- So Candace DeLong is is like the t- a talking head on a show called Deadly. She women. was an FBI profiler. Mm-hmm. She was a very successful yeah. FBI profiler. I believe she helped take down the Unabomber University of Michigan alumni. Uh, <laughs> the Unabomber. Mm-hmm. My friend Jim Clemente, former FBI profiler, also helped take down the Unabomber. Right. I, I think it's hey. I think it's a team. I think there's teams. We bonded the that on Benet. <laughs> <Dom. laughs> but Candace. Candace is like classic on this show because she has all of these lines that are just so ridiculous mm. and like <clears throat> she and she's like, so thin. You know, like you'll hear about a, a woman who, who murders her husband and she goes, "The only the only thing on that dinner table was murder." You know that kind of shit, like just dumb lines. Nothing was going to stop her. <laughs> right, so, and right. it's like she's just dripping with hate of women. She does, and normally that would bother me, but I love it from Candace Stone. She's like a calm Nancy Grace. <laughs> she I, does. I, I was honored to have her at a, a part of my it was birthday a party. Wild. That's yeah. a gorgeous birthday it was party. That is a really great. It was a great. Well birthday. done, Megan. I gave him an Outback Steakhouse gift card. Didn't even. I matter. used it the next day. Didn't even matter. I used it the I next well, day. It's just Matter. Yeah. <laughs> I said to Megan, if anybody did half of this for me, I would be, I would, I could literally die happy. Does murder has murder affected you in your real personal lives, like actual murder or homicide no. or any of these terrifying, no, scary things I that keep me from watching? Who was in prison for murder? 
Oh, wow. This guy's a bit bragging. But it was like a, I know. It was a drug. Resume. It was, a, it was the same cousin who said he used to, he was he was trying to endear himself to me because he's like straight and he was like, he knows I'm gay. So he was like, whatever. And <laughs> so he was, he murdered he was in prison. <laughs> he was in prison for a really long time. And he was saying, he was like, you know, I used to have to um, suck a lot of dick when I wanted meth. So like, oh, wow. I think I know. I think I, I, I get I, it, man. I, I get it. <laughs> wow. Um, he went to prison That's for really like 20 funny. years for like murdering someone in like a drug thing. Oh, it was just like admitted, a drug. Yeah. True. Yeah, and it was so uh, sort of, but that's not that's, why that's, I like true crime. And also, and I don't think that it's the murder part of the true crime that I like. I I enjoy it when someone doesn't die uh-huh. on these shows as well. And I also yeah. think there's something nice about seeing some like something gets solved. Justice, mm-hmm. uh, justice, yeah. especially right now where everything feels like not like. There's no consequences. The worst yeah. people keep winning. Exactly. Yeah. Well, there's also the element of like, I think true crime people are actually some of like the nicest people because I think the appeal is trying to figure out what would bring someone to do that. Right. Like, we, it's, it's, trying to figure out why someone would even murder in the first place. Like, it's not like you're obsessing over the actual murder. You're obsessing over what brought on the murder. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think we obsess over the murder. You think so? In fact, one, one of my big pet peeves with, with true crime is that we pretend we don't all want the salacious details. Mm. And you'll be listening to these podcasts, and the host will always have this moment where he's like, so just so you know, I'm so sorry to have to share this. I spend <laughs> sleepless nights thinking of this every night, but her throat was ripped open, and then he tells you like mm-hmm. the most graphic, like the Black Dahlia is a great example of that, where <sighs> the Black Dahlia, I listened to this podcast about the Black Dahlia. Oh, send they it to me, this, I've been looking di- for something. They, they give this disclaimer about, <laughs> I'm so sorry to have to share these morbid details, and then the Black Dahlia, is the worst yeah, crime. Yeah, it's really a. It's really and you're like, bad. but 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 the the reality is, we all. That's why we tune in. We yeah. let's not pretend Hold like on. that's that's what we I don't want to hear. And I'm not even lying. There, are, I <clears throat> I don't love all. I had to not listen to one that that said that I was like I didn't. That detail was so disturbing. I don't mm-hmm. want this show anymore. And it, it was sort of like, and I don't like, I don't want to ever see a dead body. I don't want to mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. It's more like. I go, who done it? Yeah. Let me hear the details and see if too. I can solve it. It's sort of like it's not real in my head. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's like some clue. of them make me cr- and it's like I will cry. There's I a- will be sad. And I do like the ones that go, Oh, this is so ethically ambiguous. Yeah. Like there was one about, you know, the fraternity that was hazing but with water and mm. a fan, and it was the best friend of the guy who was with and it's there are oh. just things that I'm like, mm, this makes me feel terrible. I love it. This is yeah. devastating. Um, I feel very awful, and I'm having a crisis right now, and that's what I enjoy. The whodunit yeah. thing is like, there's a, there's a podcast called Crime Junkie that I'm, uh, we, Michael and I, my boyfriend Michael, we are obsessed with, we've gone through the, it's been on for years, but we've listened to every episode in like a month. And it does that. It sort of feeds that idea of like, as you're listening, you're trying to figure out who did this or how did this happen? And it's just, you get obsessed with trying to figure it out, you know? Like, mm-hmm. what, like there was one about a girl who just randomly went missing and she's still missing, but nobody knows how. And there's video of like her walking around. No one yeah. knows how. Yeah. See, yeah. for me, I I I, I could listen to ID. mafia stuff endlessly. Really? Oh, I yeah. love mafia stuff too. Because to me, that feels more. Oh, I don't know. I, I feel I would feel less like creeped out by it because <clears throat> it's the world they have created, developed, and exist in there. You know, in the, in that echo chamber of like eye mm. for an eye, like real 
real life yeah. cause and effect yeah. and rules. Sure. Whereas I think true crime stuff and the even just talking about like motives and stuff, it's like it still feels so. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, eth- ethereal is the right. If that's yeah. the right word, like it just it all kind of like exists and then murder happens and it freaks me out. Can I? Yeah. Can I? Can I talk about uh, a theory of mine that I think is actually somewhat insightful? Please. I think uh, yeah. one of the best ways. <laughs> To, to notice the discrepancies in how we treat white people and black people in this country is to look at the way we talk about the mafia versus the way we talk about gangs. Oh, my God. That's so true. Brent. And uh, yeah. I'll always remember watching these shows on A&E back in the day when A&E was like Bill Curtis. And they would it was like police would talk about mafiosos with this bizarre deference. These these monsters who've killed a dozen people apiece Mm -hmm. and police officers or detectives who are pursuing these cases will still talk about how he's a family man and all this shit. Hard on for him. And (laughs) with gangs. But you you never find that with gangs. And largely Mm -hmm. it's the same. It's you know, give or take a few details, they're largely the same organizations. That's so, it's so perfect and spot on and it reminds me I how agree. much I oh, love wow, the movie Brent. Dangerous Minds. I sure. love Dangerous <laughs> Minds so one. much. Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, and this, I mean, it's absurd now. And but. thank God for The Wire. Yes. <laughs> right. Do you have any, are there any, what, what uh, I wanted to ask like who your comedy heroes are at SNL or beyond, but does Michelle Pfeiffer and Dangerous Minds fit oh, into that yeah. list? Um, actually, this came up the other day. What I do um, bring up a lot is the moment in Grease 2. <laughs> My old boss is in that movie, Danny Jarowski. Oh. <laughs> Danny Jarowski. That's the moment I bring up. Oh, is it? No. Yeah. Um, it's when she's sort of, you know, right before the dream ballet. But mm. I always go, whenever anyone looks like they're <laughs> zoning out, I go, Stephanie? <laughs> Stephanie? <laughs> Stephanie? <laughs> Do, do you know what I'm I talking about? Yes. yes, I do. I'm so glad you do. No one ever does, and I'm always like, ugh, it's My old boss made us watch it. that movie. Made us watch that movie. Uh, Is Michelle Pfeiffer Stephanie? Or? Yeah, and Michelle Pfeiffer goes like this. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like go, her first movie. Stephanie? Stephanie. And the camera comes in, and she's like that. <laughs> What's she thinking about? She goes into a dream ballet. Oh, my oh. God. God. Danny Jarofsky. Oh. <laughs> That's like such a trigger for me. Wow. Yeah, so who are your comedy yeah, heroes besides your... Michelle Pfeiffer? In, as Stephanie in that yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, well, I got to meet Catherine O'Hara, which was huge. Ooh, yeah. and like That's big. So great. It was so big. I met her this summer and I it was so um intimidating that I sort of I saw her out of the corner of my eye and kind of ran past her <laughs> um and then Andrew Rannells of all people came up and said Catherine would like to meet you and I was like oh very good mm-hmm. um good great and went over good. but she was kind of as awkward as I am yeah. and so that was nice but uh I have a lot of comedy heroes um Everyone that's been on the show, I think like the my big like the I loved Strangers with Candy, yes. um, Amy Sedaris obviously. I I used to watch that with my friend Graham Costick. Did you s- said you knew? There's always like so. I feel like a lot of people knew. He and I used to watch that show together on my landline phone. I would like stretch the cord. Oh, and you would watch oh, together in different cute. homes. In different yeah. homes, yes. Yeah. We would watch Strangers of Candy. Um, I loved all of the Christopher Guest movies. I really yeah. loved uh, uh, memorized all of those. I loved Wayne's World. Mm. It was oh. a big yeah. I had, Tia Carrera. 
Yeah. <laughs> had that was my favorite part, the funniest part of that movie. <laughs> I just watched Best in you Show for, again recently. Yeah. It was so, so good. Funny. It's so good. Best in Show and her in that, Catherine. I mean, it's, oh my god, it is such yeah. a perfect film. Yeah, it's really perfect. It's so funny. I mean, all those movies are so funny. And then weirdly enough, I also was so into. Um, Bottle Rocket. Oh, interesting. Saw What's Bottle Rocket? Oh, it's always right. Bill Murray. Yeah. Um, no, no. What? This was the one before Bill Murray. This oh, he was, wasn't in that. No, this right. was just Owen Wilson uh, and. And Luke Wilson and, and the the Coppola guy. What's the what's the no actress? no was it? This was, not this was their first one. Oh, this wait, is the Coen so... Brothers, right? <laughs> wait, guys, no. you are no. This is a disaster. <laughs> no, he did, they did Royal Tenenbaums. What's the director's name? So it was their yeah, it was um uh Wes, Wes Anderson. Anderson. Yes, Wes Anderson <laughs> and Owen Wilson, and I think Owen Wilson is so funny in it, and I saw it so many times, and yeah. it was like. It felt like that mixed with Strangers with Candy mixed with... I also liked... Um, I And I bought, like, before DVDs came out or was a thing in college, I bought somehow online from some weird website, I bought, like, DVRs yes. or, or whatever. DV... Oh, DVs. Divics? D- maybe. Is that yeah. what they were? Oh, Someone know. had recorded every episode of Strangers with Mini Candy. Oh, the small. Wow. No, they were regular sized. Oh. But you had to watch them on your computer. Yeah. I think. Or maybe you could watch them in a DVD player. Interesting. Again, this was 1969. <laughs> Bootleg like CD ROMs. Yeah. I had that with Mama's Family. Did you really, really? like Mama's I bought Family? Some, I, someone had v- wow. VHS like recorded. Like in the late '90s, every episode of Mama's Family, and you couldn't get it anywhere. Yeah, and so I bought like on eBay or something, early days of eBay or whatever it was then. Uh, I think it was eBay. Yeah, VH like Mama's Family on a bootleg VHS. Oh my god! Also, oh. before you go, I'm just curious, what are your parents like? What is your family like? You because you grow up in Chicago, outside of Chicago, doing regional theater, <laughs> but also like you did you you were into musicals? I'm assuming. Yeah. Musical theater as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so a normal, not broken family. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you've talked about your mom yes. a little bit to me. And... Um, so I come, I'm a child of divorce, obviously. Um, yeah, we gotta be. <laughs> you gotta. Uh, there's a lot of, um, varying degrees of mental illness. <laughs> um, and I say, and I love them very much. So it's all endearing mental illness. Like they all are. Um, my mom is a nurse. I, my parents split up when I was in fifth grade and my mom had just went back to school. She was in PR and she went back to school and decided to become a nurse mm. for the money. <laughs> um, <laughs> my dad does PR and he's very loud like I am. He's uh-huh. got a very loud laugh. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's, uh, he's, we're, we're very, we're, we have a much better, we, you know, what female comedian is like, have a great relationship with my dad growing up. <laughs> but we were like best friends as a child and then had a rough patch and now we're yeah. on, in a pretty good place, I would say again. And I, he texts me after every show and it's my favorite thing on oh Saturday night. Oh, that's It's sweet. adorable. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have uh, an older brother and then I have a younger stepsister and an older stepbrother. And Fun. one nephew, Jack, and oh. and they all live in Hudson, and they don't have a TV. Wow! Well, they don't oh, all wow. live. My st- older stepbrother 
and his wife Sarah. They're and they're very cool and uh, artsy, and they've they all have they have great taste. Cool. I think divorced kids. I mean, my family also. My and I divorced, divorced my parents, <laughs> like Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> no, but I think like I've noticed that with a lot of divorce, especially people who are in entertainment now, like when they're when after their parents divorce, they kind of got super creative and I went in the theater and I was like after my parents divorced and became sort of the showy one in the family Mm. in a weird way I think to like keep everyone together maybe I don't know why I did it but I think but I see that with a lot of kids of divorce especially comedians of divorce Mm -hmm. you know and I was I mean I feel like the people at that theater really took it was like during that period of time and I feel like they definitely raised me a bit Mm -hmm. and, and they were all in their early 20s yeah. a lot of so they were still young but i felt very like these are the people that raised me which is probably the other reason i'm like oh i grew up raised as a gay boy yeah. Yeah. you yeah. know because yeah. i have these all these gay fathers what's your what's your favorite you have a favorite favorite musical um, I'll say cats the Fiddler. movie say cats the movie oh, the new cats the movie mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's tough to say i so my like very first that my grandma showed me, I think, was like uh, the ones I had on VHS growing up. Um, Oliver. Oh, I'm so excited. I was very into South Pacific. I had <gasps> such a crush on Lieutenant Joe Cable. I wanted to be that um, little mute girl, <laughs> that beautiful mute Asian girl. But I was a Bloody Mary. Um, I I loved. Uh, what I, but I think I I love Gypsy. Oh my God, Gypsy! Love it. Oh, Patty Lapone in Gypsy on Broadway is like probably the best thing I have ever seen in my life. Mm. It's I, just incredible, mm. and I know you guys would hate it. I'm not. We a, would I love know. it. I don't know I, it. Yes, but. I'm not I a just big theater to person. Wa- I just yeah. tried to show a group of people Gypsy, and I was like. You're gonna love this. And then I was like, oh, no one is loving The movie? This. Did you try to show them the movie with Rosalind Russell? Yes, and I think it's yeah. so funny. I think it's so good, but it's such like a weird understatement of what the musical live is. So, like, if you ever saw the musical live and then you see the film, you're like, why is this a weird, moody drama? I don't understand the difference. Mm. And I'm like, I think it's every it's scene, a comedy. it's hilarious. It's I, have, yeah. I, have, I have a question that might divide us. Oh. Did oh, you no. see. Come from away. Oh God! Oh, this again. We talked about no. it, but I never saw it. I would suggest you don't. <laughs> so you didn't love it. I, oh, Brent I, and I, they're biased though. No, we're they not. hate musicals. No, we don't. It, <laughs> Elliot introduces musical to me because he said it's basically a musical about musical about nine eleven. The musical <laughs> layovers. Right, right, nine eleven. Right. It's a story about nine eleven, but it's the least interesting story about nine eleven. And we went to go see it last year, and we absolutely hated it. And it everyone like an in song. the world does it beat Mark Wahlberg's? <laughs> What's his musical? He has a musical. No, I meant a story about nine eleven. Oh god. No. Oh my God. Oh my God. Anyway. Cecily, Cecily thank I, you. Yeah, I don't even know where On to start or end. Thank you so much for I being can't. here. We adore I'm you. I'm DMing you so much about murder. I can't. Please do. Not even joking. We've talked a lot about sort of universal gay stuff such as grinder. Rejection, mm-hmm. those sorts, those sort, douching, those mm-hmm. sorts of things. But we thought it may be kind of fun to talk about universal gay stuff that no one seems to talk about as much. Deep cut. Which I always find, yeah, stuff. I always find this stuff to be so. Again, I mean, it's it's sort of made me who I am. But I've always been so frustrated when so many of these things pop up, and I'm mm-hmm. perplexed that they're not discussed more. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of the point of this podcast. 
yeah. exactly. in a way, is talking about these things. Exploring ourselves and our bodies so first, in an intimate way. First one on the list uh, was being the only single friend. Yeah. So yeah. Hitting a certain age. That's pretty universal, not straight. just gay. What? What is universal? I think straight people also struggle with that and when they're single like, yeah. and all their friends. Like, that's, that's you know. But, you know, you've, you've Elliot, you've consulted me before when I'm like, what is wrong with me about never being, being in relationships and whatnot? Um, is it like there's, there is just like kind of a gay delay? Not always, but there are. Yeah, I, as I always say, I've said it many times in the podcast that adolescence starts later for gay people, even if you come out as a teenager, I guess, at this point. But really, for the most part, you're at, from my perspective, if you're coming out at a certain age, you're at, your adulthood is pushed. It's pushed mm-hmm. back. Yeah. So you're really only starting to be able to express yourself the way an adolescent, a straight adolescent would in your whatever it is, mm-hmm. 20s or mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, however, eight, whatever age that is. And so I always try to give myself and give friends the reprieve if they feel like they're fucked up because they're a still single or they're the mm-hmm. third wheel or whatever. And I saw a play a few years ago. My friend Gideon Glick was in this play uh, about he's such a good guy. Yeah, he's great. Um, it's a play about uh, it was called. Um, oh. It was called Significant Other, mm. and it was just a, a really thoughtful, interesting play about a gay guy and his three female friends, and you watch him go through being single as they all get married. Yeah. yeah. And it's just well, a really touching play that struck a nerve with me because I feel like it's not – I guess it's not talked about enough. I guess – I mean, there's that element to it, but I also think – and this is something that will probably die out as the years go on – but – you know, marriage and equality for years sort of uh, didn't really give – like, straight people get married, and so they're legally tied yeah, to yeah. each other. There, there's Whereas a, with gay people for involved. so – Exactly. For so many years, it was there's it was kind of easy to get out of a gay relationship yeah. because there was a fluidity to it that, that you weren't legally tied to anybody, which is why – also interesting thing that I don't think we talk about anymore, but I find fascinating that in some states – Gay people, in order to legally be able to, like, have medical right decision or, like, get your spouse's money or something, a person can adopt another their, person. Their, their other guy. Their other guy. It could happen in New York, I think, crazy, for a long yeah. time. Wow. Where, like, a spouse could adopt another. So it doesn't matter if did this man. Did you know that, Brent? This I man is, like, 30-something. They did that a long time. They did that for a long time ago, yeah, too. Yeah, It's been going on for a while. And, and yeah, it's really fascinating You'd to adopt me. your, quote-unquote, son— yeah. So you could get ma- so but you, you can be adopt your son who is like 38. Yeah. It, it was it, yeah, it was a loophole that they yeah. that guys Oh, this was this was this years was before ago. marriage. This was before. Well, this was before 2013. So like sure. people in I think it was New York. So I remember reading something about like on well, Fire Island people yeah. would you know, couples would talk about this that they would joke like, "Oh, he's technically my son." When, yes, but it's not legally he is. But yes, it's not, and they would do it so that insurance, insurance, so that it's sure, like if right, one of them's right. older, if they're in the hospital, the yeah. son then can make medical dis- like all kinds yeah. of things, yeah. and not pay the astronomical fees it would cost to like get someone to be that Correct. person. Interesting, really fascinating. All right, so let's let's go down the list. The other one was this one is, I think, very common: the assumption that you don't have kids. Right or yes or the assumption that you don't want kids maybe or I think the assumption you don't have kids is pretty yeah. fair because yeah. biologically it is more difficult. No, no, no I, I'm yeah. not saying I'm not saying it's unfair, but that's just it's a kind of a part of yeah 
You know? I th- yeah, or I, th- I think now, I think something, I mean, I don't know if it's not spoken about enough, but um, whenever there are, fr- I have friends who have like had trouble having kids and had to do IVF or whatever, mm, yeah. you know, there's so much pain and turmoil that goes into it, especially for women. I mean, the physical yeah. element of it too. But then I think like, between that and also being gay and having to adopt, you know, or like w- wait for adoption and the fees mm-hmm. that the money that goes into it. It's yeah. like there's such a finding the right agency. Oh, my God. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. There's so many elements that go into it financially and otherwise for people who want to be parents and are gay. Yeah. That it's like, Jesus Christ, like that's that's also monumental. And I feel like it doesn't right. really get right. talked about it enough. This one, the next one you had. Oh, I'm sorry. Not the grind you had one that was the assumption that grinder is a dream which i i i get that yeah. I, but i but the uh, the one below it the ubiquity of news i think is like well, that was your suggestion you're complimenting your own suggestion oh no you wrote no. that one i did I, didn't. Write, I, I wrote it but you suggested that oh did me. i okay didn't even remember that um <laughs> no the i mean but you wrote the thing about i literally did this yeah. with mayor pete and yes. assumed he had leaked nudes somewhere it's 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 true so the the i mean and this is i think also true in its universality, but it's also just true in general. Now it's just true in I mean, general. It's just like there, you know, everyone screen grabs a lot of stuff, and so I am genuinely surprised yeah. there are no nude pictures of Pete. Buttigieg well, I mean, he married his first boyfriend. Yeah, or and he also or, is obviously he knew his, he knew he was going to run. He said he was going to run for president in college. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but so. also does it does it. Does it matter anymore? Is it even like actually? Is it actually? I would be interested to know if a, a nude of a presidential candidate would impede their campaign. I don't know the answer to that. Actually, I think if I think it was it mayor, on the I think if it was Mayor Pete, it would. There were oh, days. Certainly. I mean, I remember days of like, not long ago, but it was like Chris Brown's nude, Pete Wentz's nude, like yeah. Yeah. these like the leak people nudes. that you leave these leak nudes, and I feel like the ubiquity of it now is. So, with straight with fucking kids with everybody it's like kids? it doesn't feel at like like teenagers just like oh, sending each other yeah snapchat nudes and all this shit it's but there like, is like a cottage industry of and it is particularly queer but i do think there's also maybe a community of women that also are on these message boards but things like mail general or that website what is mail general i was just general. i was just texting i'll explain it i was well the same website i was just texting with past guest sam Kiefer because he had a post on the equivalent website of mail general l LPSG. What? And it's basically people. I mean, it's a message board for lots of different things. Yeah. But, I mean, it's become known that it's a message board for fishing for people's nudes. So you post, hey, does anyone have Elliot Glazer's nudes? Oh, And then, well, no, I'm just, it's an example. I'm not saying it's there. And then people, people on the message boards, well, and I'm sure they're out there because guess what? This bitch is unhinged. This bitch is I don't want the suggestion out there. It's it's already out there. I mean, no one wanted my, oh my nudes God. unfortunately i looked but yeah. um and and but i was texting with my friend sam in like researching all of this and he has one someone posted just like not like last week or something wow. if did anyone have nudes for sam Kiefer? and they posted screen grabs of his it's most salacious instagram posts so depressing and sometimes people will respond with the nudes that they have of these people which is like <gasps> disgusting and doesn't this person illegal. doesn't have consent yeah it's illegal um but i mean how do you track these things it's yeah. like fake names on internet profiles right but there is a cottage industry of people fishing for nudes so the the crazy part is sometimes someone will say this guy lives in this town someone get his nudes yeah 
So that, that is... that's really where it gets pretty dark <laughs> oh as far as God. I'm concerned. I, it's I'm one so thing if depressed. you're sending your nudes. I think everyone is largely aware that when you're sending your nudes frequently on these sites that they could be leaked somewhere. It's not appropriate uh, nor legal, but like what do you, like, I, I get, think but it's kind it ma- of in, I don't know. inherent. Does it matter? I, mean, I don't think it matters. matters because, I mean, you know, like I have, an, I have another friend I was talking to about this and they they sometimes get that on these message boards and you can report them and have them taken down. Yeah. Mm. They're still, they're they're still there. there. They're, they're out somewhere. in the world. But that's because you sent them at some point. Screen, so it's like, yeah. it's it, it's sort of a part and I don't think it, it, it for regular people, for people like us, it, I don't think it hinders our careers or where we're going or what we're doing it doesn't stop anything about what we're doing yeah. it's not other yeah. than it just being vulnerable hugely a, a violation of violation, privacy yeah, and violating imagine and I, i'm not saying this is just but imagine the discrepancy between a male nude pick being leaked and a female presidential candidate's nude pick yeah. being leaked yeah that mm. I think would Katie, be treated Katie so Hill differently. Katie Hill. That's a recent a recent example of her nudes that were taken without her consent being released online at mm-hmm. some conservative website. Sure. And she but, resigned from Congress because but, of it. She was also fucking staffers, which you can't do. Uh, well, she denies that, but yes. Okay. No, she doesn't. Yeah, she does. She denies that she had a relationship, but she she denies that she ever had sex with a campaign with oh, a staffer. That's got not. It. it wasn't. Yeah, it was. Mm. Yeah, there are more nuanced details to that story. I still mm. canvassed with for her with pride. Yeah. <laughs> um, another one on the list, some a universal thing that no one seems to talk about is the idea that Britney Spears is everything. Oh God, I can't. I, I don't have the same. Re- I don't have the same visceral reaction People to Britney as you. People... But I don't. I just. I literally just have no zero, zero interest. Yeah. I'm not I against. Actually, I happen I'm... to like her. I think she's fine. But I like, like some yeah, songs, I mean, sure. But uh, this this like devotion to Britney Spears that has become so and it isn't so much like a fandom. I'm talking about specifically yeah. a gay. Devotion to Britney Spears in a way that goes beyond that sort of Madonna devotion. It's like it's become sort of a way of getting angry at someone at a bar yeah, or like huh. it's I mean, it, or it defines someone. I remember recently I was out with some friends and they were like younger and I said I don't like Britney Spears. And literally I like I saw eyes roll. And Why like, is that? I, what do we think that is? I mean, I think when, when I was younger and I would say like someone said they don't like Madonna, I'd be like, well, you're missing out. But I, it wasn't like it was I was angry about yeah, I it. I guess I don't think I've ever known anyone in, in pop culture that I felt so passionately about that I would hate someone for not liking Supreme right. Court Justice John Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> he's, look, he's a good-looking guy. <laughs> and we we skated over it quickly, but the idea that Grinder is this sort of fantasy land, it yeah. does. I don't know why, but I more, don't get that one. What do you mean by that? The oh. idea that it's um, that it's that it's perfect. No, yeah. no, straight people think. All it takes is logging in. Oh, I see what you're saying. And you will instantly get laid if that's what you want. Yeah, the st- the whole straight and... thing of if like if I was gay, I yep. I, I would sex whenever exactly. I want. Well, it's, it's not even that. I mean, sure, but it's not even that. It's like, oh, what I've heard about Grinder is, all you do is log, log in, in and hook up. anyone will have sex with you, and mm-hmm. literally. That is the farthest thing. Couldn't from the be truth. further from the yeah. truth. I mean, anyone that you want to have sex with will not have sex with you. There are ghouls who would probably mm. come over and fuck anyone, but like that's that's not usually what you want. I, I mean, do feel yeah. like your own. If that's your thing, then that's I do great. feel like I'm not have... fucking ghouls, yeah. Brent. He was like to each his own, and he pointed to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do feel like you have to like really, f- for whatever reason, kind of pull. T- 
motif a bit to get gay guys to admit that grinder yes. is difficult yes. or yes. imperfect yes. Yes. or yes. hard. Yeah. I, there was one that I do want to talk about because it, it I see it so much and it bothers me so much. This obsession gay people have, and we don't talk about it or we don't call people out on it, when they bring up carbs as sort of like a joking yeah, like thing. A joke. Like, right. I'm off carbs this week or oh, I bet she didn't eat carbs this whole week to fit yeah. into whatever. Like, there's... It, it's just such like a body shaming. Awful. It's awful. Like body dysmorphia thing it's that they awful. It's just not they, funny. It's so hacked. It's, it's so, so it's, hacked. it's like a poop joke at this point. Yeah. It really like, is. It's so well, poop jokes are fun. Carb I mean, yeah, they're boring. more fun than carb. No, jokes. dysmorphic is the perfect word for it. And I feel like that is something I've seen. Like honestly, like Todd Masterson, who we had on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, in talking the gay fat friend, gay, gay fat yeah, friend, right. the way he points out dysmorphic language without yeah. doing much by just, you know, well, put, positioning it is so real. Tommy, so, Tommy Doe, yeah, Tommy Doe as well. Tommy and Doe, it was right? the thing where he posted something oh my recently God. on Instagram where someone was doing a. It was over the holidays, and it was like you know, dad, uh, not I dad ate too much. Or, yeah, something about I ate too much, and it's like a, it's like a rich man. Yeah. and it's like, no, and he did say he said I ate too. He's like something about. Eating too much and then having a dad bod, and yeah. he's, he's—I mean, come on—he's he, ripped and he's lean. Karamo also did that too. Mm, <sighs> here we go. Yeah, Alan's oh favorite Karamo. This I mean, one was annoying, though. This one was bad. You, you pointed it out to me, and I looked at it, and I couldn't believe it. Did you see what I about the Photoshop oh my God, thing? He did it three times. He did it three times. He it posted a picture of himself shirtless in the in a mirror, uh-huh. and it was clearly face tuned or well, whatever. Well, because it, there's a thing with face tune where, like, when you're trying to make yourself thinner, you can drag the picture. But you need to do it all over, and he didn't do it because he doesn't know how Facetune works. Uh, so he dragged his phone hand oh just no. a little bit, so it looked like he had that new curved iPhone that was like blue. Oh, and it was that—that that clearly meant it was photoshopped. Right. So people called him out on that. And he took it down. And then he was like, for what? some, he posted he another posted picture where he fixed it. And he was like, oh, like this. For some reason, Instagram took down my photo. Oh, <laughs> no. And I think he did it a third time and wrote like, again, another one of these antagonistic things where even though he's a culture, whatever his job is on Queer Eye, he's like. Like something about like the haters, and yeah. it's like yeah. they're not haters. They're calling you out on your for being artificial. Yeah, in in spite of your. Apparently, living as the most, you know, uh, authentic, completely, you know, I real, really want genuine someone out person. there to start a campaign to and get that man off that show because <laughs> he is the least authentic piece of shit on that show. And he also, so you could when you get mad, you're. you're Am I warranted in lips? being mad about this one? Absolutely. No, I'm yes. not disagreeing, but it's funny. We just love that it's, it's, this is your. It's so focus you make of your so eye. I hate him so when, much. When he you also get mad, wrote your dad bod. Look yeah. differently. Yeah. And you just did that right then. You're like, I love it. Literally, it's like his. I just find him and the the chef one Anthony. to be the most toxic, unfortunate, yeah. almost dangerous examples of queer life right now. And and I do think that they're doing things, they're doing a disservice to the community. When your job is to like be this, I don't know, this this beacon of light and yeah. warmth and and harmony. When you say like. Fuck off the fuck off haters or whatever yeah, to people right. who are just responding to the content you posted, then something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that man has children. Yeah, beware. What would your aunt say, Brent? What would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast? You sounded like a real psychopath when you talked about how much you like hearing the details in murder docs. <laughs> My Aunt Anne would say, um, 
Gideon Glick. He's Jewish, right? You should marry him. <laughs> is he Jewish? <laughs> he is. Oh, and happily married. Yeah, he's a sweet guy. Uh, how about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, now listen, I don't mind you bringing up my son who was in prison for murder, but i it's another thing when you bring up him giving blowjobs for meth. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, I what a good person. Aunt Anne. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Starbanks Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.